Welcome to I've Got One. I'm Andy Sharafsky. And I'm Jim O'Connell. It is Tuesday, March 31st. Yep. And uh, just yesterday, we decided to not move to our new apartment. Yeah, we were supposed to move mid-April, but the lease on our current and now permanent (laughs) place was through the end of April. So we were sort of just like waiting to see what would happen. But the news with Chicago is increasingly getting worse, unfortunately. So yeah, and even if it would be fine to move, there's just a lot of factors, extra money, overlapping leases, all that kind of stuff. So one more year at the Lakeview place for us. And thank goodness our landlord was okay with it. So today we are talking to Liz Joint Sandberg, who is a friend of ours. Liz is an incredible performer, an amazing teacher, uh, and also a facilitator uh, for corporate improv. So we are excited to give her a call. Before we like jump fully in, do you want to just give a little intro of who you are and and what you do? Sure. Oh, donut time. Okay, have a donut. That's fine. Um. Yes. Let's see. Who am I? Uh. I am the reluctant host of a homeschool nobody asked for. Uh, <laughs> everyone hates it. Um. Nobody wants to do this. <laughs> uh, just kidding. My parents are actually being super helpful with a lot of that. Uh, so I'm Liz Joint Sandberg and I, uh, let's see, what, what should I say about myself? Um, I, I work at the Second City um, as a, a designer and a facilitator for Second City Works. So I teach people how to use improvisation to be more human at work and communicate and lead um, in, in different and maybe better ways. So I do that. Um, I also teach for Columbia College's comedy studies program. Um, I teach a physical and vocal techniques for comedy, which has been a real riot to translate into an online uh, format. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I'm also, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mom to two uh, young kids um, and a proud resident of the uh, wonderful neighborhood of Rogers Park, avid crier. Uh, <laughs> really into crying. I think that's a pretty good bio for me at this moment in life. That's what my brain can manage in this moment. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. So talk to us about how you're doing, um, either work-wise, home-wise, like whatever. Wh- what's going on? How's it going? So I'm doing pretty okay, actually. Like I feel surprised to hear myself say that. It's been very up and down. Um, so the deal for me, like in my personal life, Very shortly before we were quarantined, um, my partner uh, broke up with me, uh, like my fiance, um, like um, uh, broke up with me and moved out. Um, So I feel like I have spent a lot of this time just sort of being in like deep sort of like shock and grief about that and like sort of trying to like help my kids navigate that and trying to like grieve that. So it's felt very strange Well, so, and then, so I was kind of doing pretty well with it. Like that happened, you know, maybe about a month before we were quarantined. Um, They like kind of initially like went to stay someplace else and we broke up, but all of their stuff is still here. So we're 
coordinating that right now, like them coming to get their stuff. But the like uh, being quarantined and, you know, global pandemic just really like re-triggered a bunch of sort of like really intense, strong uh, like feelings, especially I've been doing a lot of work in my personal life around just like a scarcity versus an abundance mindset and sort of doing a lot of um, healing work around like abandonment issues and, you know, uh, kind of like self-love and trying to figure out like this kind of basic format for like, I need to show up as a whole, like, you know, um, human being inside of, of my relationships and not sort of like seek validation from other people and all these things anyway. So I was like doing all that work and then this happened and it just like majorly threw me into a tailspin at first. But I think now I'm coming to this place of realizing that actually I deeply need rest and a break. Like I'm exhausted. It's been a really just extremely intense two years of my life. And I am like reeling from like a bunch of really intense changes. So other than like the global suffering and everyone struggling so much, this is actually sort of exactly what I need in my life right now. I could do with a little more fresh air uh, and some other time, but for the most part, uh, the, the kind of like being sequestered and sort of like having to slow down a little bit has been great. But then at the same time, like work has been insane. Like they're like, okay, cool. Um, we understand that you're all sort of like panicking and like flipping out and everybody's like scrambling to get all of this stuff managed. Uh, could you quickly translate everything that you do online in a room into a digital format? Like, you know, so I feel like I've been like having days where I'm like 9am to 9pm on zoom call after zoom call and just sort of like chucking granola bars out of my office door being like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh gosh. I mean, and, and how, like, how do you translate what you do? Well, it's interesting because it actually like, it super doves, dovetails with like a lot of the work that I've been doing in like personal healing in my own life, just around being like, okay, you have to be accountable to yourself, like inside of this. And you have to figure out, like, I'm, this is like me to my students, right? Like you have to figure out how you're going to translate some of those things. So it becomes even like I become almost like an even more remote holder of the space and like facilitator of the practices that we're engaging in, but then sort of students accountability to themselves and to like developing their own practice really starts to like come to the forefront. So uh, I hope that my boss isn't uh, listening to this, but it becomes even more of um, a secret art school philosophy class and even less of sort of like a movement class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like struggling with like, like my meditation practice was better before we were quarantined. Like I have endless time now to meditate and I'm not doing, <laughs> doing it because like that, I find that like my accountability rests on like having a more consistent schedule and having to be needed in other places. It's like, if I know that I'm going to be somewhere or like performing or, or in with somebody or doing work that I'm like, Oh, it'll really help me if I meditate first, then I'll do it. But now that I'm like, I'm just home indefinitely, even though it would still be good for me to meditate. Like I can't hold myself accountable yeah. to do I mean, it. I think that a lot of us are sort of like reckoning with that. And I definitely am just being like, wait a minute. Like, are you only showing up in your life for other people? Like, mm serving them and, and taking care of other people sort of like the only way that you can get yourself to like 
live fully. And I'm sort of like, oh, absolutely not. Like I'm sort of like finding that there are so many ways forward um, in in being able to like live. I don't know, live the way that I want to live, like in accountability to myself. And it's definitely been like super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sort of feel like that's what this breakup has really demanded of me, um, which like there are a lot of things about it that I'm super not grateful for. Um, but this is definitely something that I'm very grateful for that I feel like, you know, I had been I had been working on this work for a long time, but this breakup really thrust me into a like, it's do or die. Like you're either going to do this and figure it out or you're going to like, walk into the lake <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah liz you mentioned um sort of that this is almost sort of like a sort of a blessing in a way as sort of a break that's something multiple people have kind of mentioned can you talk a little bit more about what that feels like for you well i f- i mean i feel like the first thing i want to say is i want to acknowledge that that's like an incredibly i'm super privileged to be able to see it that way because mm-hmm. Some of the structures in my life that allow me to see it that way are the fact that like, yes, I am taking like huge pay cuts at work, but I'm still earning an income. Mm-hmm. And like that plus my savings is going to allow me to survive. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I am like parenting these two kids like as a single parent for the first time pretty much ever. Um, but also like I share a two flat with my parents who live downstairs and, you know, my kids are also co-parented by their dad. So like I'm getting a lot of like support mm-hmm. in, from a of different both like institutional structural and then personal sources so yeah. it's like I just want to acknowledge that before I talk about like any blessing because I'm sure there are people being like truly fuck off of like, course yeah <laughs> like I'm struggling and dying and I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills and oh my gosh this is so stressful and there are definitely parts of it that are stressful but I think for me the the break comes in knowing that like there are these there are just these necessary limits that are now in place. Like I can't go do a bunch of improv shows to kind of like distract myself. I mean, not that that's necessarily what it means for all people, but (laughs) I really speak to like, it's just very easy for me to get into the rhythm of my life and not necessarily question like, well, what are these things that you're actually doing? Like I've had to kind of, there's been this break in sort of like, well, wait, let's totally interrogate why don't I totally interrogate my whole philosophy around teaching and around facilitating students becoming artists? Because if the ideas are really solid and really strong, of course I can implement them like across any platform. Like, of course I can figure out a way to do this. Like I'm not, I'm not limited. I have like different opportunities. So it's sort of like, it's both a break from, um, in some ways, like the pressure to like show up other places, even though, I mean, like sidebar, uh, I think there's like a whole new thing around people being like, I can't, I can't make another happy hour friend call. I'm already, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I cannot live read like another, you know, original pilot script at PM <laughs> on a Tuesday. I, I'm booked. I'm, I just, and you know what? I have to take a second to eat lunch. Like I'm, uh, I'm that person on every Zoom call where I'm like eating some kind of like food that no person should watch me eat. Before <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting down, I'm so sorry. Like. <laughs> Um, you know, like some of it is a break. It feels like feels like time is moving both like super slow and and at hyper speed. Like I don't know. Like I I like look up and I'm like, oh, I've been on Instagram for an hour. That's weird. Like <laughs> very not me. I'm not sure what that's about. I was just saying to Jim, I was like, you know, prior to this, I had been having like this weird moment in my performing life where like every time I was on stage, I was like, oh, I'm not doing my best work, and like I don't know why, and I don't know 
what, why this is happening or how it's happening or how to fix it. And now I'm like, I can't believe I cared. (laughs) I can't believe that was important to me. Like so many things that I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't believe. I mean, like, I feel like two things are coming up for me. I'm thinking about how this break, I guess this is a coherent thing I can say about this break. This break has forced me to like sit with pain Mm. and with anxiety and with like fear and really sit with it like all the way through, like let myself actually feel all of it and be like, okay, keep going, keep showing up. Like there's no, there's no need to like leave this metaphorical bathroom stall and get back on that grind. Like there's no, (laughs) I mean, there's nowhere to escape this too. Like it's just me and my shit and like having to sort of move through it. So I feel like that's one thing. And also I think for a lot of us, it's causing us to like have a real psychological break from a lot of our bullshit. Like I, I think about how I think about this with like uh, so many things. Like I think about it with capitalism. I think about it with monogamy. And I think about for a lot of us, we're all like, oh, I could be a lot more flexible. It turns out like, <laughs> uh, like, you know, now that I've been in this situation where rigidity was sort of presented to me and I gave my brain a chance to sort of like explore the possible terrain outside of this, like, it turns out I can I can accommodate so many different worldviews and I can have empathy for so many different points of view. And how are your kids holding up? How are Merce and Ida? Honestly, I think that they are living their best lives. <laughs> Ida has been doing, let me think if I could see, come up with some like great anecdotes and stories. Well, I mean, this morning, for example, my mom uh, and dad are being incredibly helpful around homeschooling. I had a call um, and then had, uh, I, I have elected to continue warming up my class every day, even though we're not meeting. Mm. Um, so I leave like our warm up via Instagram live and Facebook live. Anyway, um, but I was doing all of that this morning. And so my mom was like, okay, I'll do school. Um, my mom has been doing school with the kids like a lot of morning. So today their school assignment was making donuts But they had like the regular recipe and she gave them, I can't remember what the instruments were, but it was like a quarter teaspoon, a third cup and like a quarter cup or something. And she was like, all right, these are your tools, like figure out all these fractions. (laughs) So they made donuts and then their art was like, you know, decorating them. And it's so like, I think they're living their best lives. Ida is taking ballet class with her beloved ballet teacher, Ms. Maxine um, via Zoom. And Ida always holds her hamster um, for the ballet class. Winter <laughs> <laughs> the hamster has been a, a big part of ballet. What's the hamster's um, name? A uh, winter. Winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also um, f- as a family entertainment project. We are binge watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Amazing. So Merce is getting really into the idea of doing drag makeup. Incredible. Um, so I need to like enlist one of the many incredible drag queens in my life to like give Merce a, you know, um, video conference drag makeup tutorial. Yes. yes. <laughs> so they're honestly, they're living their best lives. I asked Merce and Merce was like, I hope we never go back to school. Like, I miss the phone, but <laughs> Have you had any sort of breakthroughs with people in classes via like Zoom that, that wouldn't have come about otherwise? Well, honestly, yeah, I was talking to a super talented student the other day um, because my students at Columbia are like understandably, especially um, uh, many of them, I shouldn't say all of them, but many of them are really frustrated because 
the program that I'm teaching in right now is like a, it's essentially like a semester abroad program, but the country you're visiting is like the second city. I did so, that my junior year of college. Yeah, Andy's <laughs> alum. I was not Andy's teacher. Um, but so a lot of these students like came to Columbia, like specifically because they knew that this semester experience would be part of their education. And this is the last semester of their senior year. Um, for many of them, which is traditionally when students do the program. And the whole point is that they sort of exist in a very like insulated cohort of students and they go through this like very intensive comedy project or process, excuse me, like learning all kinds of different types of comedy and then creating the showcase at the end. Well, so for some of these students, they're like, oh my God, it just like changed overnight. And now the whole reason that I like did this and came here, I don't get to have this experience. And I was talking to a student on the phone the other night and I was just telling him, I'm like, yeah, except that it's going to be this forever. Like comedy is this like over and over again. Comedy is the constant process of being like, well, here's less than what you need in terms of time, resources, motivation, ideas, like all of it. Here's less than what you need. Can you please respond to like ideas that you would be willing to give your life for? Um, like in, in this way, like, can you please use this medium to talk about stuff that you think is really important? Like, can you please, can you please be an artist and make us all laugh? Cause we know that when you can make us laugh, like our brains become more receptive to, to new ideas and new information. And I think the student was just like, oh yeah, like this is like, you know, this student is a spiritual person is like, oh shit. My higher power is like really coming through and just telling me like, this is not like, this is your opportunity. Like this is a huge opportunity. If you can like outsmart this in terms of like not seeing the scarcity, but seeing what the abundance is, which like, again, it's like the same thing we've been talking about. Like, can I hold it all? Can I be pissed that I don't get to do the thing I thought I was going to do? And can I do the thing I actually get to do instead? Like, which at the end of the day is like, can I be a comedian? Like, this is really <laughs> what I'm going to do it. Yeah, like the sooner you just accept now you're working in this reality, the sooner you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, this fundamental, like, tenet of practicing radical accept acceptance, which is sort of like the psychological application of yes and. Like, can you just agree that you're both, like, dinosaur gynecologists? The team <laughs> faster if everyone can just get on board. I love your point, though, about, like, this is what comedy is, this is what art is, because that is true. Like... No, we're not always in a quarantine, but the last decade of my life that I have devoted to comedy and art has been about figuring it out with less than I was promised or less than I expected or a completely different situation. This is what I was telling my student. I was like, here's the thing. Like, yes, you're allowed to be frustrated at this, but if you get lost there, you're going to miss the opportunity to like knock this out of the park. And if you do that, you're showing all of us that you can do the thing. Like you can do the job. Like that makes me want to work with you always. Like if you can make great work in this context, like, well, then you can do anything. I did improv in the back of like a pizza place once. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd have more viewers on a Zoom call than I would. <laughs> Right? But it's interesting, right? Because there's something about pizza crab that you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm making moves. Like I'm taking <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know? It's true. It's true. How many like crappy shows in the back of bars did you do that like, at least to me, I was like, this was a really productive night of my life. Oh, God. I remember being pregnant with my second daughter and like 
doing a midnight show in Donnie's skybox where I had to come up with creative reasons to leave the scene I was in to like be morning sick in a trash can backstage. (laughs) What was I thinking? (laughs) I think about the fact that like as an improviser, I can do so many things to get a, I can get, I can get like, I'm, I don't know, this is going to sound cocky, but I'm very good at what I do. So if I want to make that guy in the third row laugh, I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, I will figure out what he likes and I will I will provide it. Mm-hmm. And I spend a whole show, like, not actually being super present, like, with the people that I'm improvising with and sort of, like, doing little, ex- like, cognitive behavioral experiments with <laughs> Like being like, oh, do you like like reference heavy stuff? Do you like bold characters? What do you like? And if you like it, can I get you to get this person laughing? I mean, like I can just spend the whole show sort of like, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but like serving the audience, Mm -hmm. which I think there's something really beautiful about that. But there is also this this aspect of that um, that doesn't, there's part of me as an artist that never gets like explored or, um, you know, shared with the world because I'm so busy trying to decide what other people want from me and providing it for them. Like I decided that that's the way to be like valued and needed in the world, which like, you know, this is clearly some like personally connected work as well, but I'm like going through this moment of my life being like, okay, here's your shot LJS. Like, here is your moment to be able to truly explore, like, what do you like? Like, what do you want? Like, it's just you. Like, it's, I'm, it's just me and these children. Like, <laughs> this is like a conversation I was having with a student the other day. I was like, man, you, like, you're probably never going to be in another place where, like, in, in another moment in time as a comedian, where, like, you have the same like access and tools that like Kate McKinnon has. Like, you know what I mean? Like in terms of your ability to like, I mean, of course she has like, you know, a wider reach and her audience and all this stuff, but like, you know, I'm guessing girls at home with her phone, like, just like, (laughs) like, you know, like these barriers that we have been sort of assuming are keeping us from making work and so on and so forth are like no longer there, you know? Yeah. And also they were always fake. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they've never been the thing actually keeping us from doing our work. I don't know. Right. I also want to, like, give a shout out to anybody who's, like, truly fuck this noise. Like, I don't have the headspace to be productive right now. Like, I'm here for anybody who, like, I, I don't, I am not signing on to the idea that, like, this is our moment as artists. We have to hustle so hard. We have to, like, again, I just want to reiterate, I am doing a circa 2000 jazz class warm up each day and making collages. That's my creative. <laughs> Well, Liz, we've been um, ending each episode. If someone has something that they want to offer to like bring a little levity, whether that be like a funny anecdote or I don't know, a song or a poem or a recipe, like literally anything at all. Um, we we've we have plenty of stuff from this amazing conversation we had with you. But if there is something else, I, I will share a poem if I can find this book. Yeah, somewhere on my shelf. It's a classic. You know it. You love it. Is it um, is it Mary Oliver? I mean, obviously. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm gonna go from like beautiful and expansive to like Mary Oliver at her most feral. Uh, okay, so this is Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. 
You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Ugh, she's a soul wrecker, this one. I know. Uh, this is the journey. So that's like Mary Oliver at her best, most like warm and expansive. And now bitch is about to get ruthless. <laughs> the journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble. And you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wood pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do determined to save the only life you could save. It's like those poems are so good. You like you're like, did she know? Did she know there was going to be a coronavirus pandemic? I will. Uh, yeah, like, I that's how I, good the poem is. No, it's like so both of these poems just I feel like speak to what it's like to be a human being trying to stay like capital A alive. Mm. You know, like yeah. in in all kinds of circumstances. And I think the other thing that I will uh, leave any listeners with is the idea of like the truly riotous, like free, queer explosion of like just like bodily thriving that Hollywood Beach is going to become. Like the week <laughs> after we are on quarantine. <laughs> like that is getting me through. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so true. And what a beautiful, it's going to use that image to help me fall asleep. <laughs> it's really like getting me through some shit right now. Like I feel like I'm like, but you know what? Someday Hollywood Beach will be open and everyone will be there and just like licking each other. That- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Liz for talking to us. And thank you for listening. Uh, If you are interested in talking to us at some point during quarantine, we will be doing these episodes almost every day. We're taking days off here and there. Uh, And you can send us an email at I've got one podcast at gmail.com. 